welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. Today's topic is getting creative with emotional sobriety. And emotional sobriety is typically correlated, I think people talk about it in relation to um, alcoholism. And emotional sobriety isn't uh, isn't just for recovering alcoholics. It's a state of mind that, um, that anybody really can achieve. And so I wanted to talk about what it means, and then I'll end the episode with an exercise just to um, help us think about creative ways of coping Um, both with good emotions and negative emotions. So an alcoholic can be abstaining from alcohol, yet still living with a state of mind that is angry, sad, you know, waiting for the next disaster, waiting for the other shoe to drop, unable to manage her relationships, um, you know, all of that stuff. And even without being an alcoholic, everyone has that inner dialogue that nobody else can see. But there are some people, and I know you know who I'm talking about, who you can almost hear their dialogue by the look on their face you can see that life is painful. It's almost, it's, it's sad, really. There are some people that you can just look at them and be like, you know, they aren't just having a bad day. You know, they are having a bad decade, you know. Um, There isn't something that just happened in their life right now. It's just you can see that this is the way they're walking through their life. And I hate, I hate when I see that. I'm very much a people watcher. And so I always wonder when I'm people watching if someone that I'm looking at is, you know, and by I mean like sitting at the mall back when we had malls where people would actually walk through, (laughs) but you could like sit at the mall and watch people walking by. And, and I, I would wonder if someone that I'm looking at is being mindful at the time that I'm looking at them, you know, like, are they, Are they being introspective or is their mind not even where their body is? You know, are they reflecting on some problem going on in their life or um, are they thinking about what they're going to make for dinner? Are they like, where are their minds while their bodies are walking by? Um, and I'm even more so thinking about this in a really abstract way because I'm listening to the book Dark Matter, which is, um, my 
my book club that I'm a part of was reading Dark Matter last month. This is kind of humorous. I thought I had read the whole book, listened, listened to the whole book on Audible, and I had only listened to like the first hour or two hours or something like that and I had the whole book was still left so anyway I'm listening I went to the book club to review it and I'm like wait a minute I didn't even listen to this book <laughs> anyway um so this book dark matter is all about multi universes or multiverses or whatever you say anyway that is neither here nor there so what what when I'm looking at somebody, I'm wondering, what do they understand about their own thoughts and feelings and motives, etc.? And what kind of relationship do they have with themselves? You know, I love to watch people and think about that stuff. You know, how do they connect or do they even connect to their inner world their inner workings do they are they realizing all the things that that I talk about in the podcast about you know when they're jealous they it actually starts with fear you know all of these things like how many people do we interact with every day that actually has, uh, you know, self-reflection and, and spends that time getting to know themselves. I know for me, um, I really didn't start understanding Rachel for several years into sobriety. Um, so I would say like four years ago. So, and I'm 49. Um, so uh, what I was thinking of is the example. I did this so many times. I used to have like an hour and a half drive, uh, to work and then an hour and a half drive back. And sometimes I would find myself getting in the car and I start, you know, my mind is still thinking about work. I'm in the parking garage and I start up the car. I start driving home. The next thing I'm, next thing I know I'm home and I'm like, what happened? Because I was so wrapped up in what was going on, the world that was going on inside my head. You know, it's like, Life was still moving inside my head, even though I was just sitting there driving home. And what's this is kind of funny. I've never told anybody this, but when I was younger, and I don't know if my mom remembers this, but when I was younger, my mom, I went to the doctor, and I remember telling the doctor that, that sometimes I'm doing one thing I you know imagine I was like in I don't know maybe elementary school or middle school I don't even know how old I was and I was trying to articulate this and I said something about sometimes I I'm doing something like walking to a friend's house or something like that and 
one minute I'm leaving the house and the next minute I'm there at my friend's house and I don't really know what happened in between. Like I was checked out. I remember telling the doctor that and I remember him like looking at me like, I mean, just completely dismissed what I said. Um, but I think that's what I was trying to talk about. I was trying to talk about that, um, that I wasn't, you know, I was just in my own little world. I guess that's what they call it when you're younger, you know. Oh, she's just in her own little world. That's That was me. But what I was thinking of is that it's like sleepwalking. Now, I've never been a sleepwalker. My son had a friend who spent the night who was a sleepwalker, and it freaked me out. But, but anyway... Um, I liken it to sleepwalking where there are times that I will go for a walk around the neighborhood. Now, this is before I had the stroke and, and what I'm dealing with now. But I would walk around, um, I'd walk like two to four miles. And I would put an audio book in my ears and I would just zone out. And that was... I was sleepwalking by choice. You know, I'm calling it quote-unquote sleepwalking, but I'm allowing myself to go into another world inside my head because I want to escape. I don't want to think about work. I don't want to think about, you know, any kind of problems or life. I want to escape. And back when I was drinking... That is what I was drinking for because I wanted to escape. And now I really find the audiobooks is just an incredible way of doing the exact same thing. And, um, and so then there are other times that I will go for a walk and I don't want to escape. I don't want to listen to an audiobook. I want to be present. I want to look around. I want to feel the wind. I want to feel the sun. I want to look at the trees and the, you know, uh, animals and, and all of that stuff. You know, I want to be present. And it's at those times that I want to be present if I'm challenged to do that, uh, that I'm unintentionally sleepwalking and so this is all kind of related to mindfulness but to me it's times like that when we purposefully escape or purposefully um, are mindful and purposefully looking inward and acknowledging, paying attention to our emotions. You know, I've talked about that time when I was walking and I all of a sudden felt like this is what serenity feels like. Like I have there is n no disturbance. And 
if I didn't allow myself those times where I am not intentionally trying to escape and sleepwalk or listen to audiobooks, however you want to say it, as long as I allow myself to have times that I'm not doing that and that I'm mindful while I'm walking, I'm allowing myself to get to know myself better. And that's how I was able to experience that first moment of serenity. Um, because I had been working the program, I had been emptying out that dark place that I talk about. And there was just that moment in time where there was nothing that was bothering me. There was nothing that I was over elated about. You know, I was healthy. It was just, it was just like a, a really, all the planets aligned <laughs> for that moment. So what I feel like is important is that we allow those times to happen when nothing is going on in our lives, when we just decide we're going to take a walk and I'm going to pay attention to what's going on within me and around me. Because if I do that at times when nothing's going on, then when something is going on, it's a, it becomes a habit. It's already become a habit to be able to look inward and see what's going on on the inside and what's going on on the outside. And it's like, it reminds me of when in my sobriety program, um, we're told to pick up the phone every day, pick up the phone and call somebody, call your sponsor, call somebody in your network. And um, the reason why is because if you make it a habit of picking up the phone when nothing's going on and it's easy, then when something is going on and it's hard, it's m muscle memory and you'll just pick up the phone, you know, when you need to talk to somebody that way that, that you don't drink. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, this is about finding creative ways to, to reach this state of emotional sobriety. So I have an activity for us. And there is a reason I'm talking quiet. It's because my boyfriend is trying to go to sleep, Eek! and I'm recording kind of late, so I'm sorry. Uh, he doesn't listen to the podcast, by the way, but I'm trying not to wake him. So anyway, um, so I have an activity, and it's called listening to your emotions. And so feelings can serve as, they're, they're, powerful signals that are intentionally there to help us recognize what we are in need of. And our ability to recognize the sing signal and then, and then 
associate that with a coping skill is is a way that we we can work to um, better manage our emotions. So I have some examples of, of, I did this exercise, so I just wanted to share it with you, and, and you can go off and, and try it on your own. So what I have is um, several words. So I'm going to read five words um, that are kind of associated with maybe a negative feeling, a negative emotion, and what creative solution I've come up with in order to manage that emotion. And what is cool about this is if you can come up with a creative solution for coping with each emotion and writing it down, then you can reference that whenever you feel that emotion. Oh, yeah, okay, this is what I need to do when I feel that emotion. And again, it's about building habits. So here we go. Um, The first one I have is when I am annoyed. So the first emotion is annoyed. And my creative coping mechanism is exercise. My next one I have is sad. So when I feel sad, my creative coping mechanism is calling my sponsor. Um, The next one I have is stupid. When I feel stupid... I uh, use my God box and let go, let God. So whatever it is that made me feel stupid, uh, a person, place, or thing, whatever it is that made me feel stupid, I write it down on my note card and put it in my God box. And once I do that, that's a physical representation of me handing it over and knowing that I can't control it. It's not, you know, it's not something I need to hold on to. It's not serving me well. Uh, the next one I have, let's see, which one should I do? Anxious. That's a good one for me. So anxious, my coping, creative coping is to breathe meditate and pray. And that brings us down to the last one. And I'm going to pull out. um, uh, Okay, I'll do two more. (laughs) One is discouraged. So whenever I feel discouraged, I go to an AA meeting. And that is on Zoom, and they are 24-7 online all over the world. So whenever I feel discouraged, <clears throat> all I have to do is log on to an AA meeting, and it always helps. No, I've never gone to an AA meeting and not 
uh, not not felt discouraged. Not I have not I have never gone to an AA meeting and not been encouraged. There we go. Okay, the last one, bonus word, is bored. And when I'm bored, I came up with this when my kids were younger. I make a list of activities to do. So um, if, if ever my, we call them to-dos. <laughs> we call them to-dos. So anyway, I make a list of to-dos so that I can um, not be bored. And then the other side of the activity is about creating um, a corresponding coping skill, creative coping skill, to a positive emotion. So you would think that, well, I don't need to cope. It's positive. But you do need to cope. What do you do when you feel a positive emotion? You need to celebrate it. And I've talked about that in the past as well. So here are a few positive creative coping. So um, when I feel, let's see, let's see. When I feel satisfied, I clean. Some people don't like to clean. I really like to clean, and it's satisfying to me. So I correlate cleaning with uh, satisfaction. And when I'm feeling creative, I like to write. When I'm feeling playful, I will go outside with my puppies. Well, with my Weimaran or my bulldog doesn't do much <laughs> outside. Uh, let's see. When I'm feeling amused, I will typically talk to my boyfriend because he's hilarious. And finally, let's see, when I feel relaxed, I like to go sit outside. And so that's what I have. So give it a try. Um, just pick five negative words. No, five negative feelings and five positive feelings or emotions. And then write down an activity, a creative coping skill for each one of those emotions. And that's what I have for you today. So thanks for listening and I'll talk.